Hi, it's Dan Toons here from fastfirms.com, and very soon I'm launching the Future Proof Your Law Firm podcast. What is it all about? Well, as lawyers, we know our industry is undergoing a tectonic shift of which new business models, changing consumer habits, and technology are all converging at once. The net result is that for many law firms, they're confused and not sure what to do or how to respond to the shift. Well, the Future Proof Your Law Firm podcast will help you. Sure, as many of you would be aware from my law firm marketing podcast that I ran right here for a number of years, for the last 10 years, I've been working with law firms at the intersection of law, technology, and marketing, from those publicly listed to small regional practices in Australia and the United States. I even spent three years working on mass campaigns with Erin Brockovich globally. My company, Fast Firms, is a leading provider of comprehensive technology and marketing solutions. You name it, we do it. Be that as it may, while you're waiting for the new release, I've pulled together my favorite podcast episodes from the Law Firm Marketing Podcast archives over the last five years. And you may be surprised, as I was in creating this collection, that the guests and the advice that they share is as still as relevant as ever. Now, what a great show I have for you today. If you had to name the world's most recognized and respected law firms that is behind plenty of the best startups that are tech-based, Fenwick and West is it. And today, it's great to have with me Rob Kahn, the Chief Marketing Officer of the firm. As part of the firm's administrative leadership, Rob is responsible for developing and implementing marketing communications, research and business development services that increase awareness of the firm and allow Fenwick attorneys to build strong practices. Now, prior to joining Fenwick and West in 2003, Rob led business development for a marketing agency but he started his career as a commercial litigator. He's a regular author and speaker on legal marketing topics that focus on marketing technology and business development best practices. Rob, welcome to the show. Tell me a little bit more about your role with Fenwick and West. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Fenwick and West. We're a uh, law firm based on the West Coast of the United States and focus almost exclusively on core legal services for technology and life sciences companies. So um, in a way, my job is easy because we, the firm has a very clear focus and mission, and I'm a little bit of a geek, so I love coming to work every day. <laughs> does, does it help, Rob, that the firm is so specifically focused around its, uh, it, its sort of practice areas? Uh, it, it helps tremendously, I won't yeah. lie. Um, you, you know, there are firms that have, uh, you know, tried to reach many different markets with many different services, and that's a lot to manage for a marketing department. And, um, you know, here, I, I again, I, like I said before, I think I'm very lucky that the firm has this focus on the flip side. Uh, th- there is uh, detriment to that in that, uh, especially when you have all these clients who are developing the next great thing. They want a law firm that uh, reflects that because if you're at a company that's 
really a disruptor or on the bleeding edge of, of innovation. Yeah. You, you don't want to interact with a law firm that seems stodgy or doesn't get what you are doing. So uh, it places a little bit of burden upon us in the marketing department to be on our toes and keep up with the latest and greatest without uh, running after every fad. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's what I love about your firm is because um, you you almost have to, uh, you know, mirror the the the, the early adoption uh, nature of a lot of these startups, don't you? Really, I mean, you've you've got to be seen to be progressive. Yes, ab- absolutely. Now, you you yourself, Rob, are a commercial attorney, and what prompted you down this path towards marketing? I couldn't stand keeping a timesheet. <laughs> I agree. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, I, I know it was uh, funny without boring your listeners with too many details. I was uh, a litigator for years yeah. and really do not have, a, I'm not a terribly competitive person. I always see the other side of people's stories. So as you can imagine, I wasn't very effective as a litigator. I wanted to help people solve their business problems, yeah. um, but was could, had a very difficult time transitioning over to the corporate, what we in the U.S. call the corporate side, yeah. um, because everyone said, oh, you have all this great litigation experience. Why would we hire you to be a, a transactions person? So uh, I finally threw in the towel and um, switched over to uh, marketing. And after the dot-com bust here in Silicon Valley uh, was luckily for me coincided with when law firms here in the U.S. were really starting to expand their marketing departments and their marketing budgets. And I was well-suited to translate all the latest and greatest that was going on in online marketing and, and marketing technology for law firms. And I did that as consulting for a while. And then uh, one of my potential targets was Fenwick and they hired me. That was nine years ago. Wow. Incredible story. I mean, I, do you think your legal experience, you know, sort of brings a, a value add to your marketing work, particularly within a law firm context? Absolutely. And it's not to say that um, in order to be a good marketing person at a law firm that you need a, a license or had to have gone to law school, but... In, in any industry, this is true. The best salespeople, the best marketers, they understand their product deeply. Um, they, they love it. They are evangelizers of yeah. the product or service. And so you need to have that. The fact that you go spend, the fact that I spent three years buried in books trying to understand the product yeah. <laughs> yeah. certainly helps. So, um, uh, uh, you know, it could be a leg up that that way, but I do know a lot of uh, marketers who do not have JDs who are excellent um, representatives for their firm because they just love the law and understand um, the the importance of understanding the what our firms do deeply in order to be good at what we do. But that's a good segue into I think one of the issues around um, marketing technology ROI. Yeah, yeah, and, absolutely. And one, which you're, you're speaking well, at the legal marketing technology conference in San Francisco uh, around ROI, which I'm really keen to hear you on. Yeah, and so one thing that I find um, is a stumbling block, and why uh, technology marketing technology projects failed is that uh, I think sometimes legal marketers or legal marketers are reluctant to dive into deeply understanding 
technology and latest trends uh, in the same way that they are committed to understanding the services that their law firm provides. And so it's no surprise that you wouldn't be a good market if you didn't understand what your law firm did. Yeah. Uh, and then it's no surprise that you, you, your projects run a risk of not succeeding if you don't understand marketing technology. So if you have a marketing technology product, I just think it's a duty of, of marketers to understand current technology out there. But if you don't understand something that you embark upon, you better brush up quickly or find someone on the outside who can really help navigate the waters of a particular technology that you don't understand. That's an important basis for, for bringing strong ROI out of any marketing technology project that you might have. Rob, when we talk about ROI, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, it's return on investment. Um, is it difficult in your work to try and sort of put your sort of handle or your hands on the, on the right sort of lever that will give you a, 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 a true assessment of what is working from a marketing perspective in your firm? I mean, do you have lots of dashboards that you're relying on or, 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 or how are you assessing ROI in your firm? <laughs> it, that is a complicated question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I want to um, first clarify what we mean when we say ROI. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. some people only equate ROI with revenue. Yes. Is the marketing or sales effort at hand, can you translate that to revenue? And I think that there are some instances where you want to measure that or attempt to measure that, mm. but there, that's either, that is not the only thing that I think is important in what we do and value we deliver in marketing departments. So I'll talk about some of the other ways that we measure that in a second. Yeah. But the other thing that I've learned over the years the hard way um, is that you know revenue attribution at law firms is a very touchy subject. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. something, it's something that partners often have heated discussions about. Some firms have committees that are devoted just to figuring out who gets what slice of the pot. Yes. So I think one needs to approach that. If you are planning to try to measure and attribute revenue to a marketing project, you need to be aware of the political dynamic that goes on in your firm around how people uh, measure revenue attribution. And I learned that the, the hard way many years ago when I thought I had this great spreadsheet about all the millions of dollars, all the efforts that we brought into, and I presented this at you know the sort of the marketing oversight committee of partners, and they proceeded to rip that thing to shreds. <laughs> <laughs> and I left the room with... Uh, my tail between my legs. Yeah, yeah. And it's not to say that anything that I had in those measurements was incorrect. The political climate was not ready to even fathom that someone outside the partnership would be making these arguments. So yeah, that's, the, yeah. I think, a very important consideration for one to ponder deeply yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's not to say it's not to say that if you're a good marketer, you shouldn't be looking at those, those numbers and what we what you're doing might move the needle in terms of actual revenue. But you want to be careful about how you disseminate that information. And um, you, you know, to use a little bit of sales lingo, sometimes you have to walk up the customer. And so over the years, I've become 
much better in figuring out when it's appropriate to make those arguments. And I meet out that information very slowly. And, and now there are areas where the firm management is comfortable in understanding how marketing efforts might attribute directly to revenue. Yes, yes. And it's not always clear, is it, at times? It's not always clear. So that, that's a great segue into the other question. So yeah. uh, knowing that and learning my lesson, uh, I think there one can show success with marketing projects and marketing technology projects by many other dashboards or measurements or levers than just directly attributing to revenue. Yeah, indeed. Um, so, the, so the way I think about it is, um, and, and this is how I, I plan budgets and a lot of good marketers plan budgets as well, is you think about the entire sales cycle. So, uh, you, you know, there, we need to, as marketers, we need to be making a difference in all areas of the sales cycle, not just at the pitch and the, the, the final conversion, yeah. but from general awareness to traffic to uh, qualifying leads and lead gen and, and at-bats. And, of course, and there's sometimes we're, we're there at the win. Uh, but then it's the other side, too, you know, is what you're doing. Um, there are some marketing department activities that relate to client satisfaction. Yes. Um, yes. And, and then there's uh, the other big measurement that one should not um, dismiss is the subjective viewpoint of the partnership or your firm in the value the marketing department or a particular effort is um, bringing to the table, right? And so there are ways to, to measure that. You can benchmark. You can uh, take uh, temperature before you start a project. Yes. And then take a temperature afterwards. And do do the partners feel like the initiative was worth the investment of time, or either they're in time in helping develop the initiative, or their participation in it, or even just using a product or service from the marketing department? Is it worth their time to engage in that activity because it helps them better find leads, communicate their their value more clearly, uh, or or win? So to answer your previous question, yes, we we measure a lot of activities all throughout the sales cycle, not just revenue. And I think revenue is maybe based on my public shaming from many years ago, but revenue is not one of the first things that we put forward when we discuss how the firm is getting return on its investment in the marketing department. And it sort of reinforces, uh, Rob, doesn't it, that, you know, marketing these days is a really integrated approach. You know, it's, it's no longer, oh, look, we just got a website. Uh, I mean, there's just so many moving parts in a properly executed marketing strategy, isn't there? Yes, uh, absolutely. And that, I think, reflects what I was, uh, yeah. you know, trying to say before, that, you know, you got to look at your whole sales cycle. And so then that depends, you know, you, you know, what you're, you're measuring may be based on a firm need. If your firm is entering a new market or is trying to create awareness that it doesn't have, your effort should be, um, you, the, the, the big issue is not necessarily, or, or the immediate issue is not necessarily, um, are we getting enough revenue? Is just, do we have awareness in the market? Yeah. So the ROI might be increasing awareness. And whereas if you have a, a firm that's mature in a market or is the leadership position on a certain service, then you, you might be looking at sales or clients' loyalty, right? You have, you have all, you've hunted all the elephants, you just want to make sure you keep them alive. Yeah, Terrible analogy, absolutely. but um, I think you get what I mean. 
I, I do. Uh, the the assessment of some of this uh, uh, these analytics uh, is a science in itself as well, isn't it? I mean, I I know that even just say, you know, your web analytics when you you know you might be trying to sort of um, you know do some measurements on on traffic and 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 uh, you know the usability of your website. So you're looking at bounce rates, for example. I mean, even a discussion mm-hmm. around bounce rates can be quite. Um, uh, I mean, that's I mean, a big discussion in itself. Yes, uh, and also very, even if you are beginning to measure those things, it's uh, because user behavior on the web, for example, is, is complicated. Yeah. It's, it's difficult to uh, assess ROI mm. in those areas, even if you are sophisticated enough to be doing A-B testing. Yes. Um, it takes a lot of resources to boil down to this is, you know, if you design the interface this way, or if you put the subscription button here or you tweak the copy that way, that that is the thing that is making the difference in increasing traffic or increasing your subscriptions to your alerts or, or something like that. And most firms, Rob, in your experience, wouldn't get down to that, uh, that, that degree of depth, would they? I don't know. Um, yeah, I just suppose I mean, just from from my own uh, experience, I, I I would see that a, a lot of the firms that that uh, that I work with and, and others in the market within the Australian context, at least, uh, are firms that um, probably stop at their website. So they launch their website, and there is very little work that do, that they do following that in terms of trying to optimize it, uh, you know, for, for better usability uh, and better conversions and what have you. I think that they, they tend to think, okay, web design and SEO. So if I, if I get a great web designer and a great person that does some good SEO, then, then it's game over. You know, I, I, I can sort of, uh, I can win the market. Uh, are you, are you, do you see a bit of that? Um, <laughs> I, I, I suspect that a fair amount of that goes on, yeah. but hopefully why topics like this are of interest is people understand that that is not a good place to be yeah. and want to learn about how they can move beyond that. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing that I, another interesting thing I learned along the way is, is how to budget for a project mm. and um, I, I think we, uh, I had made a mistake earlier in my career where I said say we were we, we needed a new website yeah. and so I would I would budget for the development of that website we need a developer we need a designer we need a content uh, person and that's my budget and we're going to get it done in 12 you know, months or 16 months and boom, hooray, and I came in on time and under budget. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that will fail. Uh, I mean, you, you are taking a big risk that if that's how you conceive your project and your budget, that it is going to succeed. What I learned is you know, we need to be treating, in law firms, we need to be treating our marketing technology projects just like other companies treat their technology projects and it's akin to a product launch. Yes. So yes. you've got to build in time and resources before 
all that stuff I just mentioned to evangelize the project, understand what your partner's needs are, your client's needs are, so you, you know that the thing you're measuring is something that's actually important to people yes. and addresses a need. And then you have you can better frame your budget. And then once it's launched, there's a whole bunch of training and evangelizing and measuring that has to be done. And if you don't have the budget to do that, Work, lead up work to the actual build and launch and the follow up work in terms of, of training and evangelizing. I, I would say you don't have the budget. You need to reevaluate your budget and reevaluate whether it, this is a project that the firm wants to pursue because that's how you pursue a project properly and one that's going to derive uh, return for the firm. Yeah, yeah. It's incredible. Isn't it? I, I was recently working with a firm, Rob, and um, uh, this this firm uh, in scoping out uh, this their, their new website, you know, we, we started to do some, uh, you know, we wanted to do some persona sort of testing, trying to work out, well, who, who are these clients and, and what do they want from us? So we gave the firm a job to go and uh, interview 20 of their current commercial clients which they did, mm-hmm. and uh, funnily enough, I mean, my experience has been that most firms won't go and do this type of research, but this firm, uh, you know, hats off to them, went out, and they asked 20 of their clients, what the, what did they want? And the information we got back from them was just remarkable. You know, even, I mean, one example, Rob, was um, uh, around email campaigns. You know, we had in our mind initially that, well, look, this might be, a, you know, an a, a, um, email campaign that would be, we would send out to this particular cohort uh, every three to four weeks. The feedback from mm-hmm. the client was, look, we don't want that. We want, we want a really wholesome uh, email information to us maybe every two months, not every one month. We just haven't got the time mm-hmm. to consume it. But it's just, it was just extraordinary by just understanding who the consumer was, who, 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 who are our clients. Exactly. And I, I don't know, I just, uh, yeah, I, I sort of really resonate with what you were just saying about, you know, just not jumping in to, okay, look, we need a website, let's just, let's just do it, you know, but really trying to understand, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Even, even even things that seem obvious because everyone else is doing them. Yeah. Um, I, I, I still think that it's, it's bad use of your time as a marketer and the firm's resources to not evaluate the things that we were just talking about and plan the before and after as we were talking about um, to ensure that you're perceived as strategic and successful. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Which is another important aspect of, of ROI. I mean, um, you, you know, part of return on investment ties back to you as the person in the marketing department. Uh, it, you know, it's it's fine to well, it's important to measure yes. and um, be prepared to defend your actions in terms of statistics and benchmarking and all that, but. Um, also, it's equally important for partners to understand why you're doing it and to be engaged in the value of what you're doing. And so yes. part of your job in deriving ROI out of projects is selling it mm. and making sure you're perceived as someone who's strategic and is adding value to the firm and uh, that begets you know, more success, more, more resources. And it's... Uh, Again, something earlier in my career, 
I overlook to, you know, be like, hey, here's a new website. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or rather than really understanding, you know, taking the time to go to different, I'm at a larger firm, so going to the time to go to different practice groups and different offices and uh, explain what we're doing, why we're doing, why it's going to be a benefit to you. Yeah. Um, after launch, showing how it worked, what you can do with it, show some success stories. Yeah. Um, no one ever in those meetings ever asked me about, how much, you know, and I had them, but no one ever asked me, you know, what's been the increase in our page rank in yeah. Google since you launched a website or what's been the increase in traffic or subscriptions to our email list. They just, you know, wanted that emotional story about how it was going to benefit them. So I would say don't overlook that aspect of ROI. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great point. We can get so focused on the, on, on the, the quantitative data, can't we? It's really, yes, it's really interesting. And this was um, emphasized to me recently. I went to an event here in Silicon Valley, and it was a panel of chief marketing officers of huge companies. So SAP, Intuit, uh, DreamWorks, uh, not the CMO, but a very high up executive in the marketing department at Google. And one of the, someone made a comment, and they all started nodding their head vigorously. And they, uh, the comment was along the lines of, "For years, we had been mesmerized by big data. Yes, yes. And we're chasing metric, and we can measure it, so we were gonna measure it. And they realized that 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 there is an art and science to marketing, and you can't just sustain long-term growth through focusing just on sales revenue. That there's the brand aspect, there's client satisfaction or customer satisfaction, and that a lot of these super huge companies with marketing departments that are larger than most law firms <laughs> um, uh, are, are saying that there's more than just looking at revenue numbers and, and traffic numbers. Uh, they're, they're going, they're talking to clients, they're adding that subjective component back into their measurement. That's refreshing to hear, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. H- how do you measure qualitative stuff in your firm? I mean, is it just through asking people or do you, do you know, do you, uh, yeah, well, how do you do it? Um, through a sort of smaller group presentations and one-on-one feedback. Yeah. So it's a little more, um, it, I have not systematized the uh qualitative feedback yet, but as, as a matter of fact, I am working on right now on a survey that will measure, ironically, will measure some of the qualitative <laughs> aspects of, of how people perceive um, sort of sat- marketing satisfaction with uh, both the department as well as specific products and services that the department okay. provides. Okay. But uh, you, you know, part of your job as a, as a, whether you are a functional person in a marketing department or you're heading a marketing department, part of your job is going around and talking to people and asking how we're doing and taking the temperature. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is so you, you're constantly always getting that qualitative stuff, aren't you? Really, just right. Which goes back to my point about you know, part of your job is is yeah. evangelizing. Is that you have a sales job to do when you're launching and managing marketing technology projects. Yeah, yeah. What what's exciting you at the moment about um, you know you know some of the the um, 
I don't know, some, some of the dashboards that you might be looking at. I, I mean, like there's lots and lots of talk these days about, you know, social media and, and uh, you know, in particular, you know, Facebook and LinkedIn for lawyers and, and what have you. And I mean, I, they're probably no, no longer the shiny new things, but still there's lots of discussion about how potent they are. Are you, from an ROI perspective, uh, and I, I, again, I, I, I realise that this ROI is a little bit of a, a nebulous term, but... Mm-hmm. What, what's exciting you at the moment about uh, about sort of some of this new stuff? Um, I think that there is it is exciting. I think that there is more information out there. There is more way to measure how your because correct me if I'm wrong, but my perception is that most. Uh, the value that uh, marketing value that firm law firms are putting into the world is content. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Um, and there's really not some. There are some products that are out there. You know, uh, make your own will or whatever. But uh, for 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 larger law firms and uh, you know, I, forgive me if you have others in your audience. I've been, uh, you know, I'm focused exclusively on B two C. Uh, yeah. uh, B2B marketing, not B2C marketing. So yeah. but most of what we're putting out there is content, and there's just uh, more so than ever, we have the ability to understand where our content is going, yeah. why it's going there, yes. and who's using it and how. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, this has just opened up tremendously in the even the past few years, um, uh, you know, where it was sort of a crapshoot when you put some, you know, you try to figure out what keywords might be associated with your, your content and how you might optimize it and whether or not those, you know, SERPs were converting to traffic to your website. Now we can very clearly track where these videos are going, where these articles are going, uh, the path through which people enter the website and then go through the website. And that is super exciting because now we're able to provide our attorneys with much more specific advice on what type of content works well, what format works well, um, as well as some of the, you know, nebulous things that we've been chasing a long time. Like how do you optimize on some of the long Tale, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, content that most of us operate in. I mean, one of the things that is a value as a lawyer is you have a specialty. Yes. And so, again, we're not talking about B2C, we're talking about B2B. So, usually when you're building a practice, it's around some sort of, for lack of a better term, long tail subject. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, I, I'm just incredibly impressed on how we can merge, you know, Google Analytics with, with, Facebook analytics and, you know, things to track Twitter and other social media, some of the amazing uh, um, third-party distribution platforms that are out there now that further help you um, track your content because it's, you know, the subscriptions to the users are free, but at a price, they have to enter their information. And um, yeah. that is pretty that is pretty darn exciting. We I think we are getting better at further tailoring our, our content and our distribution to make sure it hits the eyeballs of the people who are potential buyers and and making those people at least aware of us, if not come back to our site. And so we're seeing, so we do, that, that you asked this question about three times before, uh, three questions ago, and I punted, um, but we are looking at things like, 
time on site based on how people got there and understanding that some distribution platforms or content or keyword yes. provide longer time on site or, or conversion, meaning it gets to however we measure conversion, if they get to a practice group page or attorney buy or subscribe to um, a distribution list. Uh, we're starting to learn that stuff. And that is something that I was not able to do five years ago. And I find that very exciting. It is exciting, isn't it? And I, I you know, um, I, I love the fact that these days there's just so much talk about content marketing. You know, before it seemed to be, well, look, you know, we can we can actually trick the search engines to sort of you know escalate us or elevate us to to number one, and and once we get to number one, we'll be right. And you know, there was this sort of whole myth around uh, around all that. Whereas you know, it's it really is as simple as. Uh, attorneys having a strong commitment to, uh, you know, t- to their clients by generating great client-centric content, isn't it, really? Right. I, that's so interesting. I never thought of it that way before. You, you know, it, when we're talking about this particular subject, you know, five years ago, search engine optimization used to be a trick. Yeah, yeah. How do I do all the things behind the scenes? Yeah, to, right. yeah. to make the con- And now you actually are learning what buyers, clients, customers want and are actually improving the product itself, not trying to trick the system into making your same old crappy content. That's right. I mean, you know. We used to go out and buy all those domain names, didn't we, Rob? You know, you'd go on, oh, look, you know, uh, uh, San Francisco lawyer, you know, .com, and, and then right. uh, you know, bombard it with sort of spammy type content. And, and yeah, as long I'm, as number one, it'll be put, okay. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, and I'm putting, all, I'm putting all, you know, tags on my images that That's are right. keywords that I'm optimizing for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff, crazy. Rob, um, yeah. now you're speaking at the, uh, the Legal Marketing Technology Conference, uh, which by the time that people will listen to this podcast, it would have uh, you know been and gone. But um, where can people contact you if they wanted to you know have a chat? Benwick dot com, s e n w i c k dot com. Fantastic. And I'm trusting that I'm trusting that our website is usable enough that <laughs> we're just going to Benwick dot com. You can find me. <laughs> well, I'm sure after this interview, if it's not uh, as uh, as usable uh, as what you would think uh, it needs to be, then people will let you know. <laughs> Please provide user feedback. We love it. <laughs> Rob, thanks for the chat. I'll leave uh, your details in the uh, in the show notes uh, as as to where people can uh, find you, uh, including the uh, the Fenwick dot com website. Thanks again for the chat. Uh, I uh, appreciate the opportunity. Thank you for having me.